This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. Now we come to a horse called Sky Heights. 42 starts, 11 wins and 9 placings, 4.2 million in stakes. He was originally with Alan Jones in New Zealand. Now you were over there, Cole, at one time and you'd heard this horse had trialled really well. I think you went out to dinner with Alan and uh, you asked him, was the horse for sale? Is that how it happened? Yeah, actually, we were in Adelaide when I oh, was having dinner. But, but mm. anyway, no, um, one of the agents, stock agents in New Zealand told me that Jonesy had a, a pretty smart horse. And um, anyway, I was out for dinner and I asked Alan whether the horse could be bought. Mm. And uh, it was quite a funny thing. I said, oh, you got a good horse there, Alan. I said, can I buy it? Mm. And anyway, he said, he looked at Linda and he said, Linda, how the hell do you know that? And uh, anyway, the long and story, I, I asked to buy the horse and uh, it turned out that um, the, the gentleman that owned the horse had actually just got killed in a car accident mm. and the family didn't want to go on with the horse. So they, Jonesy said to me, I, I think you could probably buy it because they, they don't want to race it. So... That was the story behind me getting Sky Heights, but he uh, he turned out to be a bit of pretty good decision, wasn't he? <laughs> he did a terrific job in his first preparation as an early three-year-old. He ran second at Sale. He won at Sandown. He won at Flemington. He ran second in the Norman Robinson, and then second in the Victoria <laughs> Derby to uh, one of Jack and Bob Ingham's, a horse called Arena who got yep. a freak rails run in the straight to knock you out. Then you turned him out, Cole, straight after the derby. Uh, he came back in the autumn. You gave him three runs in Melbourne, and then you came to Sydney for the Rose Hill Guineas. And to this day, you say he was underdone going into that Guineas. Yeah, well, I kept him back in distance and 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 everything going to Sydney because the derby was the main mission. And, um, yeah, he went to Sydney perhaps just to run short. He wasn't topped off. He was, hadn't yeah. hit the top rung of the ladder. And um, I thought to myself, if he can win this race or run right into it, he, he won't get beaten the derby. This will top him right off. And mm. as it turned out, he uh, he won and um, went on to win the, the derby. And yeah. to Glenn, Glenn Boss's credit, he, uh, he rated the horse good to win both races and lead. Mm. Well, he led in the derby of 1999. Were you happy with that? Were you comfortable with that when you, you spotted him in front? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you say to yourself, geez, I don't know whether I want to be leading, but mm. then you reassure yourself that it's Glenn Boss on board and and if he doesn't know how to rate one, we, we might as well give up. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's you reassure yourself that he's, he's doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. Cole, let's go forward to the spring of 1999. Sky Heights won the Craigley and the Turnbull, then the Caulfield Cup, and he beat two lovely mares in the Caulfield Cup. You trained one of them, the third place getter in a flurry. Labille ran second, and all three place getters were by the great Zabille. Yeah, if I've ever trained a mare, 
or a horse that could win a Cox Plate was probably in a flurry. Mm. She should not have been running the Caulfield Cup. It was the owner's wish to run her there, but um, if she'd been set specifically for the Cox Plate that year, I believe she could have won it. She ran. I ran third in the Cox Plate mm. with Sky Heights, and if she couldn't have beat him by 10 lengths, I'll give up over 2,000. Yeah, and the way she was going at the time. Yeah, no, very high-strung mare. Um, that you know, you had to train her to run, run f- third in the in the Caulfield Cup. She basically cooked herself mentally, and she only she was waiting down the beach for nearly a month before the Caulfield Cup. Mm. She had one gallop over sixteen hundred at even time, mm. and then still come out and run third in a Caulfield Cup, and I th- mm. it was a great effort on her behalf to be able to run that close. Mm. That third in the Cox Plate with Sky Heights was behind the Great Sunline, and yeah. Tie the Knot ran second. Sky Heights ran in the Melbourne Cup of that year, and he got a hell of a long way back. He was never in it, was he? No. Well, it's, as I've told you before, the, the horse used to suffer for some sort of a bleed or internal problem that his blood count would go down and he just wasn't right when when it happened and uh, we sort of knew it was but you could never you couldn't scratch him from a Melbourne Cup because there wouldn't be a vet in the world mm. would have folded him as far as being Physically, healthy down yeah. Mm. but um yeah he wasn't right when he run that year and uh, he he got knocked about a bit he had a few nicks and cuts Mm. on him and hit the run and rail a few times. But, no, um, it was a bit sad, really. But, anyway, you can't do much about that, can you? Mm. I think Horseman will be interested in that, Cole. You say that his blood count, one week it would be perfectly normal, the next week it would just crash, disappear. Well, it wasn't even a week, John. You'd put him in the stable at night and feed him and walk away quite content. Mm. That everything was one hundred percent. You go in the, in the morning to gear him up and and whatever, and you just knew something had happened to him overnight. He's just mm. his blood count. You get a vet in and and do a blood test on him, mm. and he go from a normal blood picture to one that a horse looked like there was something wrong. He's stressed or something had gone wrong, and he, mm. his blood count had just sort of dropped through the bottom. Mm. He uh, raced on until 2004. He won another Group 1 too, the Yolumba Stakes. He won the St Ledger at Randwick. He won a Labor Day Cup in Brisbane. He won a Sandown Classic. So there were days when his blood was all right. And he actually all but got away with a Caulfield Cup, another Caulfield Cup, when Ethereal beat him a nose. Yeah, no, she, well, she turned out to win the Caulfield Melbourne Cup that year, but... Yeah, he uh, he ran a blinder. He had top weight against that particular mare, and she just rolled off a little bit in the straight and carted him out and put him on his wrong leg. But I think in that instance, he probably would have won if that hadn't happened. But mm. we protested, which was frivolous, to be honest. She mm. uh, she hadn't touched him really. She just put him off his line and uh, it out. As I said before the steward's decision was right, but it didn't make it feel any better. No, of course not. 
You've utilised the services of so many outstanding writers over the years, Glenn Boss, Damien Oliver, Greg Hall, Peter Cook, and uh, the one we mentioned a few minutes ago, the one you admired tremendously, Darren Gouchy, who retired a couple of years ago. Yeah, still a friend of Darren's. He's uh, taken on the Victorian apprentices and that now, but a very nice person. The story to him was Gary Dowdy worked for me at Cranman and went to Caulfield to write him through files and he came back later in the morning and said to me, I've just seen Victoria's next leading jockey. Mm. And it turned out to be Gouchy and he hadn't ridden in a race. He was just riding to get his ticket to ride. So he turned out to be pretty right, Gary. But, uh, mm. yeah, no, a very nice bloke. He... Uh, he is he's a gentleman when it comes to the jockey um, ranks. I'll tell you, I've got a lot of time for him. We'll pause for a break on the podcast with Colin Alderson back after this. A catalogue of almost 200 horses will be offered for sale at the final Inglis auction of the year, the 2019 Ready to Race sale at Riverside Stables on Tuesday, October 22nd. All horses are two-year-olds, broken in and prepared by experienced horse people and presented for sale, literally ready to race. Each horse will undertake a breeze-up session, which is a gallop ending in a 200-metre sprint. Each breeze-up will be recorded, which will enable prospective buyers to get a gauge on a horse's action, size and potential ability. There'll be an additional breeze-up session this year at Eagle Farm in Brisbane on Monday, September the 23rd, and other sessions will be held at Cranbourne, September the 13th, Warwick Farm, September 20th, Taupo in New Zealand, September the 23rd, with a second session at Warwick Farm on Friday, October the 18th. The strength and quality of the English ready-to-race sale catalogue is unparalleled in Australasia. Well, Colin Alderson, your achievements haven't gone unrecognised. In 2000, you were awarded the Australian Sports Medal for your deeds as a racehorse trainer. In 2011, you received the OAM, the Medal of the Order of Australia, principally for your 30 years of tremendous work as President of the Victorian Trainers Association, and a large part of that was spent as president of the Australian Trainers Association. Now, when you look at the number of meetings and the amount of paperwork and the number of phone calls, I don't know how you were able to cope with that for three decades. Well, I think it comes back to the family a lot too, John, that they pitched in and helped us and I had good staff around me, but no... uh, you know, you never, you don't take on a job as uh, president of the Trainers Association to win awards. They just build up o- over the years as you get along. And, you know, a place like the Cranman Training Complex was set up be- be- with myself and Tommy Harrison. And uh, I think it's the best training centre in Australia. It um, certainly got, um, what would you say, the best facilities that I've seen. Mm. in Australia anyway, in my time. But no, just little things that come along that you, you do, like uh, train, uh, what partnerships in training and things like that that you you fight fight to get. And 
mm. you don't realise till the till you sort of hang up your boots what you actually got done in racing over the years. Mm-hmm. Looking back, yeah, yeah. Cole, the the jewel in the crown of the training centre is that terrific multi-track complex right alongside the Cranbourne Racecourse. You've got a main uh, gallop grass, 2,200 metres in circumference. There are three grass tracks in all. You've got a synthetic track. You've got a sand track. You've got an uphill gallop. And I believe there's a brand new grass track under construction currently. Yeah, they're putting a new one in the middle of of the track now. and They... um It'll be up and running probably next year, but no, it's it's got even got slow worst tracks out in the middle like trot and canter and, and that type of thing. Hurdles to jump and school that are set up there. They run a lot of the hurdle or steeple schools through coming through the winter mm. to educate horses there. But no, it's a great great uh, training complex, and I'm fortunate enough to have stables virtually 200 metres from the, the track itself, so mm. it's a good up. You estimate there are between eight and 900 horses in work there at the moment, and when Caulfield closes in about four years, you're going to have a big influx of horses. Yeah, no, there, there could be well over a 1,000 or, or more horses trained there, and Hence, you've got to have the facility to train there, you know. Um, they'll have – well, sand tracks can virtually take horses. It's a particularly wide sand track, so it can take a, a, a good number of horses. But, um, no, it's a, it's a good setup, and they'll probably utilise it to its maximum over the coming years. Your daughter, Cindy, has had no superstars to work with in recent years – but she's won her share of races with horses like Sizzle Me and uh, Olonira. Miss Vixen was another one, and a lot of winners out of town. Cindy's a fully qualified school teacher, but she's never been able to resist her love of the thoroughbred. No, no. As I said to you earlier, she it's an addiction, horses. You can't get uh, – once they're in your blood – if you've got that addiction, you can't get away from it. You keep coming back to it, mm. whether you like it or not. You get up early in the morning, you think, what the hell am I doing this for? But <laughs> you get up and do it again tomorrow too because it's there. Oh, yeah. Your wife, Lynn, has been a very enthusiastic breeder of horses. She's fascinated with pedigrees. She loves nothing more than getting the books out and matching the bloodlines of a stallion with one of her mares. Yeah, no, she puts a lot of work into uh, sorting out pedigrees and had a lot of success. She's probably renowned as one of the uh, more more successful uh, amateur-type breeders. She's mm. Olanira, you mentioned, won the horse, uh, uh, Vovas Horse of the Year, mm. and uh, she's always been well up on the Vovas scale uh, over the time. So, yeah, no, she's had a lot of success. I don't like to tell her too often because she <laughs> she keeps telling me how good she is, but no, <laughs> that's a good job. Well, you and Lynn obviously intend to phase out of the horse business, and I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag here, but I hear on the grapevine that you're actually building a house for your retirement on the beautiful Mornington Peninsula. Yeah, no, we've... Uh, Hopefully it'll be finished in the next six to eight weeks and um, 
we can, but we're not going to sell the farm. We'll sell part of it, but we'll keep 80-odd acres mm-hmm. um, for Sydney to spell horses on. And I don't know. I just about had her talked out of breeding. I think she's only got two foals this year, but mm-hmm. or two bears in foal to foal. And, but I hear her talking to Sydney because I don't get too involved in the breeding side because there's too many consultations, but she uh, is putting something like eight or ten mares to stuff to start this year, so mm. I don't think I got away from it yet, John. Carl, it's been a journey of highs and lows and valleys and peaks, but I don't think there's much doubt you would do it all again. Yeah, I would. It, uh, I've been very fortunate. I've had the support of the family, and, yeah, I come up through an era where you could, you perhaps could enjoy racing more so than you can today, you know. The, it's all go, go, go today. But years ago, you you raced two or three times. Or there was two or three meetings a week, or perhaps four. But um, now they're every day of the week, and it's become a little bit mundane to be off to the races again. You get there as late as you can, and you leave as soon as you can. Mm. The old days, you spend half a day with the owners after the race or before it, and have a sort of party atmosphere with it. But sadly. Those things have basically gone out of racing to some degree. Mm. I meant to ask you about the stable colours, which have become synonymous with the winner's circle all over Australia. Uh, The white with the royal blue and gold band, royal blue sleeves, royal blue cap. Simple colours, but outstanding colours. Very easy to see, John, and fortunately for me, because I'm partially colourblind, so... I can pick them out straight away. I think you can your own colours anyway, but no, they do stand out in the race. And um, Slade Bloodstock actually copied him. They went with a yellow and black because they, what's his name? Can't think now. Anyway, he played for Richmond, so he wanted the black and black and gold. But no, they've been successful today, and my wife designed them when we first started training, and and they've gone right through with us. I can still see Nicholas John charging to the line at Roundwick many years ago in that Metropolitan in those famous colours, uh, knowing full well that it was a big result for the stable. It was a good sight from my my perspective too, John, (laughs) I can tell you. (laughs) Colin Alderson, been a delight catching up, mate. Uh, Congratulations on all you've achieved. Happy, healthy retirement. And thanks for all the help you've given me over a long period of years. Thank you, John, and I enjoy talking to you. Colin Alderson, OAM, on our podcast, which was produced by Supernova South. The stallion representation at the English Ready to Race sale on October the 22nd is a who's who of the breeding industry. Better than ready, Nakoni, Brazen Bow, Not a Single Doubt, Deep Field, Rubik, Dundeal and Shooting to Win. And we've just scratched the surface. Add to that Hinchinbrook, So You Think, Holy Roman Emperor, Spirit of Boom, I Am Invincible, Starcraft, Medagliadoro, Tavistock, More Than Ready, Written Tycoon, No Nay Never and Zoostar. Inglis again team up with Racing New South Wales by presenting the sale three days after the Everest. 
the timing will ensure the attention of world buyers who'll be focused on Sydney at Everest time. October 22nd is the date for the English Ready to Race sale at Riverside.